Give me just a minute while these uh Come on now. Woo! Woohoo! I was gonna say I, I follow the um the signs of song leaders and I just kinda watch uh, people watch for for uh indicators and uh I would have had my microphone on because Matt normally closed the book right at the last verse of the song, but he didn't this time, so I didn't have a chance to put my um turn my microphone on. It is great to see you here. Tonight, again, um, same, same beautiful opportunity to worship our God. I, I wonder sometimes um, if, if we are going to assemble on a Sunday, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of our worship, here comes Jesus. I don't know, right? We don't know. What a great joy to know that God's coming back to get His own. It's great to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance tonight. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, great God, we... We love you so very much. We're so thankful to you for all that you've done and for all that you do. We're so thankful, Lord God, just to know that you hear us, that you listen to our prayer. And how amazing it is to know that, that all of your children could pray at the exact same time and you would be able to not only hear uh, and understand every one of our prayers, but even answer them all. Thank you, O oh God. We praise your holy and magnificent name. We're so thankful, Lord God, for Jesus who walked on this earth and was tempted in all points as we and lived and set an example and became that propitiation, that, that, that complete satisfaction, O oh God, for the sins of the whole entire world, for all the people who have gone before us and those who will go after us. We ask, Lord God, when we finish this long race on this earth that you will take us home and be with you forever. We thank you so very much for your love and for your Amazing and matchless grace is in Jesus' holy and precious name we do pray and thank Thee to be Thy will. Amen. Let's go back to Genesis. We're talking about Melchizedek, so give me a, give me a few a few Sundays to warm up, warm up on this topic and and then allow us to uh, to gain a, a hopefully prayerfully a a good understanding or maybe a better understanding or maybe I just just give you one extra thing that you already knew about Melchizedek. A priest according to the order of Melchizedek. We know we're reaching out to Jesus, right? So here's this man with this, with this name that comes on the scene in an amazing way. And people say, who in the world is this, this Melchizedek? And so the Melchizedekian priesthood, or even the priesthood in itself, is uh, one of the most important uh, Bible principles and teachings found in the entire you know, book. It, it has this amazing flow from from Genesis to, uh, to Revelation, and sometimes I think maybe it's, it's one of the least uh, misunderstood, or the most misunderstood uh, topics in the Bible in regards to the fulfillment of Christ. All right, so the priesthood. There is always a necessity of a priesthood. We'll talk about this later, that now the priesthood transfers to the church, right? We're all priests, but the priesthood um, is an ama- has an amazing necessity to it. So when you get to that most, I'm going to say this humbly and respectfully, but you know the book that we say, ah, oh, that's a boring book, Leviticus? Well, that's a very important book. If you're going to be a priest of God, you've got to know that book in and out. You've got to know what the laws and the rules and regulations of God are. So the priest is one who's authorized by God. We don't read this in, in the Bible, in Genesis. We don't read that the priests are authorized by God, but they are. 
right? It's one of those unwritten rules. It's one of those things that God, who spoke to the heads of the households, he gave them this authority, uh, if you will, certain individuals. They're one who offer authorized uh, offerings to God, not just for themselves, but also in behalf of others, right? And, and when we think about the priesthood, as mentioned in the early Genesis account, we find the first mentioned priest in the whole Bible are Cain and Abel, right? Now, I, we don't know if Adam was a, later a priest after their sin. There wasn't a necessity of a priesthood in the Garden of Eden. They didn't need one, right? They were without sin. But coming out of the Garden of Eden and living their lives, who were the priests that we, uh, right after that, we don't know. But we know Cain and Abel for sure were the first authorized priests that are recorded in the Bible. So we start and we realize that God was talking to them. How do we know that? Because later on, God tells us that Esau's sacrifice was not acceptable to God. In fact, God called it evil because Cain sinned by offering what he wished instead of what God had commanded. All right, verse 1, Genesis chapter 4. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve. She conceived and gave birth to to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. So there was a problem. So you, you, he, he's establishing with us, these priests, you have to do God's things in God's way, right? It cannot be any other way. It has to be exactly the way that God has commanded. Same for us today. Everything must be done exactly the way God expects it to be done. So we know later the account of Cain and Abel. This represents, if you will, this text, the biblical definition of a priest. Again, one who is authorized by God to offer sacrifices for sin. Cain and Abel would be the first recorded priest. The next recorded priest that's, that fits somewhere, somewhere pre-flood, somewhere around the flood. I, I, I don't, when I say the next, I mean, I mean it's, uh, there are other priests, obviously, that are going on that God hasn't given us the names of. But the next recorded priest would be found in the book of Job. Job uh, chapter 1, uh, the verses 4, probably where we want to go, and verse 5. Job would be the next recorded priest. I'm not saying he was the next priest, but just the next recorded priest in uh, the early Genesis, if you will, accounts. Verse 4, and his sons used to go up and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it came about when the days of feasting had completed their cycle that Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So there was this offering for sin that had to take place, that had to happen. And they were authorized by God to do these things. That's how they gained this knowledge of what it was that God expected them to do. All right. We continue on. I want to show you the priesthood. It gets bigger. Okay, Exodus, please. Uh, Chapter 
chapter 19. I, you know, we're not even in the law of Moses yet, and yet the, 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 the priesthood is growing and growing and growing. Well, let's take a look at this. Before, the, before God gives the Ten Commandments or the law of Moses, we pick this up in chapter 19, verse 17. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Skip, if you will, down to verse 22. And also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. So here, the people of God, all the Israelites, the Hebrews, are coming to meet God, and who's with them? All these priests. Where do they come from? Right? Again, we're talking about the patriarchal dispensation, the time when God spoke to the heads of the households. And then interestingly enough, when you get over to Exodus chapter 2, there's this, this stranger, if you will, that, uh, that comes into our midst. Exodus 2 and verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, Moses killing one of the Egyptians, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled to the, pre- or excuse me, Fred fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flocks. Wait a minute. How are there priests of Midian when God's not even mentioned the word priest in the sense of a, a command from him? Turn, if you will, over to Exodus chapter 18. I want to look more into this, this priest of Midian. Exodus chapter 18, beginning at, um, at verse 1. The Bible says, now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of the land of Egypt. Skip down to verse 8. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had befallen them on the journey and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness of which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now here's an interesting thought. Here's a, here's a man who is saying, I've heard about all that happened, but this man, the Midianites, were not in Egyptian bondage. Right? They weren't in Egyptian bondage, but they heard about all that had gone on in that time. Verse 11. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dwelt proudly against, uh, dealt proudly, excuse me, against the people. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses, his father-in-law, before God. So here's, so Jethro, the, the Midianite, offers an offering to God, and even Moses knows this is acceptable to God, for he is an, ex, an authorized priest of God. But how could that be? Right? Let's turn back to Genesis uh, for just a moment. Chapter 25. So the Amalekites, the Amalekites are, are, are priests. The Midianites are priests. The Israelites have priests. How, how can, that, can that be? 
Genesis 25, verse 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So he went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples shall be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. And afterward his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob or Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. So Esau... A descendant of Abraham through Isaac. I'm going to read about his descendants. So these are all people of God, right? Genesis 36. So we follow Esau. Genesis 36 and verse 12. And Timnah was a concubine of Esau's son, Eliphaz, and she bore Amalek. To Eliphaz, these are the sons of Esau's wife, Ada. So Amalek, the Amalekites, are also part of Esau, which, is, which are part of Abraham's descendants. I'm going to come back to Abraham, because Abraham is the start, if you will, of all that we're kind of talking about, and the greatest of all that we're mentioning up to a point. Genesis 25, verse 1. So we have the Amalekites, and then in Genesis 25 and verse 1, now Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. And she bore to him Zimran and Jokshan and Medan and Midian. So here are the Midianites and Ishbak and Shua. So the Midianites also came from Abraham. So you have the, the Amalekites, the Midianites, and the Israelites all coming from Abraham. So when you... Reading all of a sudden Jethro, when Moses is fleeing, and he, you know, marries one of uh, Jethro's daughters, and you find out that Jethro is a priest of God, you say, oh, I understand now, because he is also a descendant of Abraham, and so he has this authority from God to offer sacrifices. So this, this priesthood grows and grows. We often only talk about the uh, Levitical priesthood or the Aaronic you know, priesthood being Aaron's descendants. But the priesthood began way before. It's important to remember that the priesthood predates the law of Moses, right? So when people say, we follow the law of Moses, mm, you need to go back and get the foundation from the patriarchs, right? To understand how many things were carried through the law of Moses into Christianity today, which will give us a deeper understanding of all that the Bible gives us as far as uh, his word is concerned. Look at Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Back to the, the day, if you will, uh, before God gives the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses to the world. Verse 21 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, I said the world, excuse me, to Israel. Verse 21. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord and gaze and many of them perish. And also let the priest 
who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. So again, here are all of these priests and the Israelites and all the people, and they show up before God, but this is not the priesthood under the law of Moses. That doesn't happen for another eight chapters away. I don't know the the time frame, but look at uh, Exodus chapter 28. This is the beginning of the uh, Aaronic priesthood or the Levitical priesthood, uh, however you want to uh, call this. But this is the priesthood under the law of Moses. So Acts 28, uh, Then bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and for glory, and for beauty. And you shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister as priest to me. So now we have a priesthood office, right? Now we have a priesthood office. In the patriarchal dispensation, we had priest of God. Now under the Mosaical dispensation, we have an office called the priesthood. Okay, so we go from the patriarchal dispensation into the Mosaical, Mosaical dispensation. And what happens in the Mosaical dispensation is that the priests are identified as priests. You look at them and you know, based on the ephod and everything they wore, that they were priests of God. And the New Testament application is, you and I being priests of God must be identifiable to the world. Right? That's just a free gift there on the way. All right. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Again, we go to the dispensations. Hebrews 1. What was God doing? What was God doing? There was a time when, when people come to you and say, well, God spoke to me. Well, we know that's an absolute impossibility because you're in the wrong dispensation of time, right? God doesn't speak to people today but through his word. But the Bible says in verse 1 of Hebrews 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, that's the patriarchal dispensation we read about, that's where the priests, if you will, the heads of the households were the priests of God. He spoke to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions, and in many ways. And then he goes on to say, in these last days, he's spoken to us through Christ, right? And so the priesthood is very important to God. Acts chapter 7, please. Because the priesthood has the authority of God to offer sacrifices for sin. But thank God that we don't have to memorize all the rules. In fact, when you think about Levitical, the Levitical priesthood, and you think about uh, um, all the commandments there, I think we learn the intricacies of, of what it meant to be just a priest and then a high priest, but how valuable Christ really is, right? More so than just for the sacrifice and more so than just because he's God, but it gives us a greater understanding of all the rules and regulations and the perfection that it took to be, if you will, Jesus later on, that amazing sacrificial lamb for the whole entire world, right? It's an amazing thought. So when you go into it and you start digging deeper, you start appreciating more so uh, how important it was as a priest and then a high priest to carry out your du- duties accurately 
Because if not, your life physically, your life physically could have been lost in those days. That's how important and how critical it was. Okay, Acts 7 though. Acts chapter 7. I want to start looking at, because I want us to start getting into Melchizedek here in our, our next sermon, but I want to introduce him today. But, I, but we can't introduce Melchizedek unless we have, we, we've got to have a way to introduce him, right? So Abraham, I want to start with Abraham, because this is where the priesthood comes from, right? Uh, well, it, 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 excuse me, let me rewind that. We go back to Cain and Abel, I get, I get that, but we're coming into now Abraham and all the descendants, and then through the law, and then we understand the greatness of the priesthood, because we understand the greatness of Abraham. Abraham was a great and a mighty man, an amazing man of God. So let's, let's look at his greatness and, and gain from that a greater understanding of Melchizedek. Acts 7, beginning at verse 1. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Depart from your country and from your relatives and come into the land that I shall show you. Then he departed from the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And from there after his father died, God removed him into this country in which you are now living. So there's Abraham. Turn back to Genesis, please, chapter 12. And then there's this fulfilled promise, right? So the, so the, the, the priesthood of Abraham, if you will, the descendants of Abraham flow all the way into through Moses and Aaron and the rest as you follow through the genealogical trail that God has given us, which brings us Jesus, right? And the priesthood. Abraham came from a family that were idolaters. And Abraham would have been one of the ones, the first one to call on God, if you will, during that time. And Abraham walks away from idolatry to serve the living God. And God calls Abraham in Genesis 12, and he speaks to him. And the Lord said, if you read chapter 11, you'll see the, the, that he walked away, right, from idolatry. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country. Now, I made the mistake, and I make this mistake oftentimes, sometimes. I even try to remember, don't make this mistake. His name is not Abraham yet, it's Abram. Right? Sometimes I read it and I go, Abraham. We get so used to saying Abraham. But I'm going to show you how important it is not to mix it up. So Abram, Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your enemies great. Make your name great, excuse me. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's the great, great promise of God. Verse 4. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So think about the faith that it took to leave. And, and, and follow this God, the only God of the universe, and now abide by his laws, his commandments, his rules. And Abram had that faith. Genesis chapter 15. God appeared to Abram many other times in his days, and Abram trusted God. 
He was obedient to God throughout his lifetime. Remember Abraham later says, give me your son. Offer to me your son, your only son, the one whom you love. He was obedient at all times in his walk of faith. Now, he wasn't perfect, but he was obedient. Chapter 15, please, of Genesis. And after, verse 1, And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my household shall be my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Now I think God made it clear. But Abram is a human, like the rest of us, right? And so, so later you get into chapter 16, and then the incident with Hagar comes in there, and, and then you have the birth of Ishmael. And, but God made a promise to him. And, and he believed God. He tried to fix it a little bit, but he believed God. And in verse, uh, uh, verse 6, he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as Righteousness. So even in Abram's faith and belief, it still had to be reckoned unto him, if you will. God had to give him, give it to him. Well, let me give you, let me, I'm going to give you grace on this one, right? Because even his belief wasn't perfect. But there's something else said about, about Abram in, in this particular instance here. I want to go to James in the New Testament, chapter 2. And I want us to grab something else that God adds to this, this thought of who Abram is. Who is Abram to God? James 2, if you will, verse 21. The Bible says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working in his works. As as a result, the works faith was perfected and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him it's righteousness and Abraham was called a friend of God okay so that that goes that goes even deeper how many people do you know that God would say that's my friend we, we want to gain that kind of status in relationship with God but Am I really a friend of God? So Abraham, I want to go back to, to Genesis chapter 17. He is still called Abram up to this point. And then later you see he's called Abraham. And I'll tell you why uh, he's called Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, uh, at verse, beginning at verse 1. Look at what God does. Now when Abram was 99 years old... The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And I will establish my covenant between me and you 
and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. So here's what God does. God makes covenants. And when God makes covenants, he gives a name to that covenant. So here is a promise to Abraham. And this Abrahamic promise goes out to all the peoples from this point forward to the end of time. And is fulfilled in who? In Jesus. Right? In Jesus. So God gave a covenant name. That's where we get our name from. Our name is God's children, as Christians. It's a covenant name that God has given to us. That's another sermon within itself. But I want to go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. So Abram is given a covenant name by God, showing the greatness of Abraham because of the blessings of our God. So now, Romans 4, beginning at verse 18. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, 99 years old, right? Now as good as dead, since he was about a 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what was promised he was able to also to perform. Therefore, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Galatians chapter 3. What, what does all this have to do with, with, with Melchizedek? First, I need you to understand the greatness of Abraham and the greatness of the promise, right, that comes through Abraham that benefits the whole entire world that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But this promise could not possibly be fulfilled without Melchizedek and Jesus. So, verse 14, Galatians chapter 3. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Oh, there's the big picture, right? So God's magnificent promise, right, and promises has always been for everybody. Right? Not just for the Jews. The Jews are highlighted in the Bible because through the Jews comes forth the Christ. But God's promises are for the entire world, for everyone. It's always been for everyone, the forgiveness of sins and a relationship with our God. In order that, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The promise from God to Abraham, there was a land promise, there was a seed promise, right? A national promise that these people, through these people, my people, that we would find the Savior born to the world, the Messiah. But Abraham, we're going back to Genesis now, chapter 14. Abraham, the great man of faith, the friend of God, the great man that we recognize and understand in the scriptures. 
one day when the kings came together and waged war and they, and they went down where Lot was in, in Sodom and Gomorrah and they took over Sodom and Gomorrah and they went on their way and took many captive and killed others. They took Lot and all that he had. And God, through the message, spoke to Abraham and said, go to war and bring Lot back. He did that. God, Abraham went to war against those kings, great kings. And he brought back Lot and all of his possessions. And on the way, he ran into this most magnificent figure that he'd ever seen in the days of his life at this point. And his name was Melchizedek. Let me show you how important this man is. This man would be a type of Christ. We'll get more into that in just in our next sermon or, or two. Verse, verse 17. Then after his return from the defeat of Shalomar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba. That is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. This great man blesses another man. But I thought Abraham was the great one. No, Melchizedek is far greater and superior than Abraham will ever be or has ever been. And Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And Abraham does something that's unique. And in fact, it's only done to God. And it's right here at the end of verse 20. And Abraham, or, and he, gave him a tenth of all. This text is some 600 years before, if you will, the, the Levitical priesthood actually comes about. When we read in Exodus chapter 19 and 20, actually 28 is the actual passage. But it comes some 600 years before. It predates the Levitical priesthood, the priesthood of Aaron, Aaronic's priesthood. It predates it by over 600 years. The coming of the Messiah, the high priest. You see, this is what's so important about this, is that we're looking at all of these types and anatypes, if you will, these types, these, these teachings about the Messiah who is going to come, even in the priesthood, and without the priesthood of Melchizedek, without the Melchizedekian priesthood that predates the Levitical priesthood, none of us could be saved. None of us. You know why? I'll tell you next week. No, I'll tell you this week. Because Jesus is not from the tribe of Judah. Or from the tribe of Levi, excuse me. Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi. So he can't be a high priest. He can't even be a priest had it not been for the Melchizedekian priesthood that God had already established. So we'll come back and we'll, we'll look more into just Melchizedek over the next uh, several lessons. And I, I hope that something was said to kind of, uh, you know, just remind you of things you already know and maybe whet your appetite for the rest of what we uh, want to look at. The, the most important part tonight for us in, in closing is, is this. 
we needed our sins forgiven. And the only way to have our sins forgiven is through Jesus Christ. And so God has set in order this plan of salvation, this scheme of redemption, while Satan has a scheme of damnation. And, and God's scheme of redemption comes through the Messiah, Jehovah, who bled and died on the cross of Calvary for us all. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. If you need prayers made on your behalf, we invite you to do that tonight. While this is still the opportunity, and while we still have today, that God has given to us. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Like a tree that's planted by the